0: Is the Seahawkers podcast episode 419 I'm Brandon Schultz of the military Seahawkers and I am joined by my good buddy and Montana Seahawker Adam Emmert Brandon if you were to describe the perfect football weekend in your mind what would it look like it would it would be our Seahawks winning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that checks out all of our dirty rivals losing yeah yeah let's name them which teams lost? Uh, well, the Cardinals, because we, we played them and they lost. Yeah, they lost. Los Angeles Rams? They lost. San Francisco 49ers? Catfish! And lost. <laughs> yeah! Yeah. And then, to, what, top it off? I don't know. Go uh, perfect in all of your bets and make some money.
1: Dude, that's a perfect weekend in football. We had a perfect weekend. That... As a 12, you have to be happy after this weekend and fired up after a victory over the cards. Even though there's some things that we could talk about regarding uh, the team's performance. There's a lot of good in this game, too, man. Like the defense just being lights out again, showing progress. That's awesome.
2: But Adam, we only won by 10 points. But derp, but
1: yeah, exactly. Berder, berder, berder. Nice use of a birder, You're getting it. Yeah, you're getting it. Uh, <laughs> exactly, it man. You. Have have some joy, man. Be sure to focus on the things in your life that are good in, in our football lives. The defense balling out again. The secondary looking awesome. The game from Spoon that wasn't. And all of the things that we could talk about here. Uh, there's a lot to be happy about as a Seahawks fan. There's some you know critiques that we can have as well. Gosh, darn it, man. 10 point victory defense looks good. That's the side of
0: the ball. Neither of us felt good about going into this season, right? Yeah. And now this many weeks into the season, we're looking at it and thinking, you know, now we have to come up with a nickname for the defense and, you know, who's going to be the best player on the defense. There's so many to pick from and, uh, you know, who's going to get playing time and who's not, because you want to see this guy on the field more than another yeah, these are all things. These are good problems to have with the defense, and with Devin Witherspoon playing as well as he is, with Jamal Adams balling out too, with Reek Woolen, who I heard from Pete this week is just now starting to get his speed back, and we haven't even really had any problems with Reek to this point of the season. So that's happy to, uh, you know, and fun to hear. Quandre Diggs, his normal Pro Bowl self, the, and Bobby Wagner, like I found finding the fountain of youth, seemingly. In Seattle this year, and I, I that was one of my favorite Bobby Wagner games here against the Cardinals this past week. He was everywhere.
1: The inside linebackers had a whale of a game. Bobby and Brooks, man, they are a hell of a combination. And we thought we were going to be relying on a lot of Devin Bush this year, especially early, right? In Jordan Brooks, let's give him his flowers here. Oh, he yeah. had himself just a monster game. And then you said, well, the fountain of youth for Bobby, like, did he ever lose the fountain of youth? Like he was good wherever he was last year. And then he was good the last year he was in Seattle as well. I mean, he, he hasn't really had a
0: dip in his play at all being in the league for 17,000 years. He was bathing in the fountain of youth last year. Why, why do you yeah. think he was not in Seattle last year? I don't know. I missed him. I, I thought he was somewhere else, but I, I seem to have blanked it. Eight tackles for Bobby on the day, seven for Jordan Brooks, and five for Jamal Adams and Julian Love as well. So those are your tackle leaders. They were all over the place. Jamal has been fantastic coming back. I
1: heard so many people tell me that when Jamal was coming off his of surgery and all of that, like, oh, well, he ruptured his quad, dude. People don't come back from that. He's never, he can never be good again. Like, you're just, uh, it's a pipe dream. Like, don't even count on it. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, geez. I don't know anything about touring quads. I've never had one. I've never <laughs> seen one or anything like that. Maybe that's true. Nope, not the case. Uh, Jamal is playing awesome. And Clint Hurt is enjoying himself some three safety looks.
0: That's for sure. Another guy we're enjoying to watch is Boy Mafe on that defensive line. Also, a key play in the game, taken down. The Arizona quarterback keeping him out of field goal range on his sack for the day.
2: So third down and 12. Seattle looking to stop Arizona right here. Arizona four of eight on third downs. 27 seconds left to play in the half. Dobbs takes the snap. Gets hit. This time, Mafe is not going to miss him and brings him down back at the 45-yard line. Boye Mafe coming off the left side. I mean, how key of
0: a play was that? Because like Rabel was saying, with it being down toward the end of the half, the Cardinals in field goal range, they're able to drive down. If they get a shot at a field goal there, then instead of a four point lead at halftime, you're down to one. Arizona Cardinals maybe think at halftime that they have a shot when they don't. But, uh, you know, that gives them that little bit of extra confidence.
1: How important was that, Brandon? Well, on our Prop Star show, I had uh, Bobby's tackles parlayed with uh, the Seahawks being up at least three at the end of the half. So yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> a big deal to me. But big deal who knows, deal. man? If uh, if Mafei doesn't get the sack, maybe Prater shanks that one as well. I mean, Prater was having a rough go that day. He had missed a field yeah. goal as well throughout the day. Um, boy, how much how much grief does Boye have to take for? but not a pump fake and jumping on a previous sack attempt (laughs) and missing Dobbs. I mean, even Rapes in that call was like, I ain't gonna miss him
0: this time. And Pete man, every chance he's gotten, he's ribbed him for that thing, man. Like, come on. Yeah. Post game press conference. When he's asked about how good of a game boy. Mafe has, he immediately goes to the one bad play where the dude leaves his feet. And he's like, oh, boy, he's not going to do that again. He's not not going to make that same mistake again. And then on his coach's show on Monday, yeah. yeah. How, how great of a game did Boy Moffat had? Oh, yeah, you know, well, he jumped up in the air when he shouldn't have when trying to chase Dobbs down. Okay, come on, Pete. The, the dude had five pressures on the day, leading the team, had the sack there to take him out of field goal range, clutch situation, a, a dude that you're gonna need with Nuosu going out for who knows how long, maybe the season. Uh, how about we prop Mafe up a little bit? Absolutely, let's give him some flowers, man. Instead of giving grief, but I do
1: think that there must be something within the Pete Boy relationship uh, where this is fun, like a little like me and Bronco Jared, right? Like when yeah. the guy struggles a little bit, like we take a little joy in it. And it's fun and it's it's healthy within our relationship it does seem like that's the way that Pete talks about it. Cause he seems amused more than he is mad. That's for sure.
0: Mafé might be one of those guys who, who wants that extra, I don't know, bit of dig at him just so he can feel like he needs to, to push it even harder. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, if you think of just how much growth that he's shown from last year to this year, there's gotta be something driving the dude to continue to grow. I, I was looking at his, his pressure rate. So uh, five pressures, on 34 passing snaps. It's a pressure rate of 15%, which is, you know, he's been doing that almost all year, which is what's been keeping him in the top, you know, pass rush percentage of the league so far.
1: It's really come on for him. Pete really has had nothing but glowing things to say about him. And you got to the Nuosu news a little bit there. I mean, that is a massive bummer. He's been a great player since he's been acquired by John Schneider. Um a real bummer, man. Like I I hear Tor and Peck in those do seem like ones that keep guys out for the year. Um, So that's, that's concerning, but you do have somebody like boy who's playing as well as he is. You do have Jared Reed playing great still. And you do have Derek Hall who Pete was comparing to boy mafia of last year, right? As a highly productive guy, still learning of course, but on track doing the right things. And you spent that high draft capital on Derek Hall. Now you're going to get the opportunity to get him out there and get him the reps and get that experience. And he's not going to be a liability while doing it. Is it the same as having Chen out there? No, but you do need to get that experience for Derek Hall here at some point. And it's going to be sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah. Just to give you an idea, mafia playing 52 out of the 67 or 66 defensive snaps. And then you had Daryl Taylor out there for 39 kind of, I think he was kind of the guy. It was a little too many, uh, but he was the guy who took majority of the snaps with Nwosu being out. Nwosu played 23 snaps before he went out injured, and then Derek Hall only had 19. But I think we'll start to see some of that shift moving forward, unless Daryl Taylor is able to improve and play the run as well. Because if they start to see this defense slide back in terms of run-stopping production, I I think they've seen how good this defense can be when they're able to stop the run effectively. And if that ends up being a weakness, I I think that it's going to be an easy fix if they see one person continually being the problem and Derek Hall, not getting a significant number of snaps.
1: I would love to see Derek Hall and Daryl Taylor uh, switch their snap counts there. Like that, that feels like the correct ratio to me. Um, Daryl Taylor, it's not even just getting like washed out physically on plays where he's just getting overpowered or things like that. There's a lot of awareness problems there. How many times on some of those read options was he crashing down and not paying attention to containing the edge and containing Dobbs. I mean, the Dobbs touchdown, of course there were three broken tackles along the way. That was annoying, but the most annoying part was that Daryl Taylor, he, he bit on the fake so hard that it was just wide open coming around the edge. He lost his assignment and then piss poor planning on his part constituted an emergency on everybody else's on the back end. And then they weren't able to pick up the slack there either.
0: Yeah. He didn't even have an opportunity for a missed tackle because he was so far out of position to be able to make a play on the quarterback. If he just watches the quarterback and, and holds the edge there, then he probably does have a stop or it's handed off to the running back. And one of the guys in the middle is able to handle that well. Absolutely. One of the plays, though, was the the Demarcado play to the outside, and he was able to break outside and run down the left sideline. The impressive thing that happened on that play, Devin Witherspoon lined up all the way outside on the left was the guy who came all the way over across the field and pushed Demarcado out of bounds to keep it to, what, 10, 15 yards on the, on the play. But just the fact that it was Witherspoon... Making that play from the opposite side of the field impressive.
1: It really is. And when they get into those three safety looks, when you have Jamal Diggs and uh Love out there, as well as Spoon down in the slot, they are playing good football. Really good football. And that is because of Jamal Adams' versatility. And he's been great playing the pass in the intermediate pass game. Like that was one of the things that I think as Seahawks fans, the first few years that we saw him here. We were a little bummed out with some of the coverage ability, but also too, he was being asked to cover guys, I think further down the field. Now he's almost being played like the weak side linebacker a lot. And that really fits his skill set very well. And then he got spoon who comes in and lays the, not the boom, but the spoon. It, it, yeah. He's just, he's put, uh, giving out spankings with a spoon. I don't know, Brandon, when you were a kid, when you did something bad, what, what did your mom spank you with? Cause uh, <laughs> mom had a wooden spoon. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that, you.
0: All, all moms in our era had wooden spoons. And yeah, uh, yeah if, if, if you were if you were exceptionally bad, I didn't see the wooden spoon a lot, but I have to imagine oh, me neither. maybe you did.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't. I was actually the good kid. My sister, she saw the spoon a lot and uh, she would admit <laughs> that openly. But uh, yeah, spoons out there, you know, giving it to people. Uh, that hit on Rondell Moore was one of those that just... I mean, the entire stadium just who cause man alive. He de that guy.
0: de him. Rondale Moore's feet up in the air flailing yeah, the as he goes yeah. to the ground. And the fact that it was all, you know, it, he got his head out of the play, got his shoulder into it. It was kind of behind him. And so it, it made, it added a little bit of extra dynamic of, of spinning him too, just the way that he hit him. So good, clean hit uh, Rondale Moore still seems to be okay. He's minus a soul, but uh, he'll live. He'll
1: live. He'll live. He'll, he'll live to fight another day for the uh, dirty birds.
0: And on the very next down, and I covered this a little bit on three and three out, if you if you want the full breakdown, but Spoon playing outside, even on that play, it was, like I said, immediately after that Rondell Moore decleating he was outside uh, supposed to be covering Marquise Brown. And the way that he was off the snap, because he's positioned, you know, seven, eight yards off the line of scrimmage at the snap. I think the, the inside, whoever was playing inside was playing up a little bit. But, you know, he had his shoulders side to side in case Brown decides to go deep. He stayed short. And then when, that way, when the ball was released, he came in. And even though Brooks was the one that made the tackle, he was able to come up, evade the the Brown block. And then uh, he would have been there to clean it up if if Brooks didn't have that. He's
1: a very natural football player, man. Uh, Brock and Salk asked Pete, like, so what is it about Spoon that allows him to kind of do these things? Like, how do you get a guy to tackle that way and to hit like he hits at 183 pounds? He's like, "Yeah, it's just uh, he knows how to time it up. And like he, he was just making crap up on the fly, it sounded like. But that guy plays way bigger than he is. And it's just a joy to watch. It's a bummer. The interception got taken away from him on the penalty sack as well. If he had gotten those two things in this game, I think he has to be
0: leader in the clubhouse for defensive rookie of the year at that point. Right? Oh, he might already be there, but yeah, if you give him that sack, give him that pick. I don't know which one was more egregious penalty wise, but um, it's a bummer that both of those got wiped out and his tackling. You know what? It reminds me of, a little bit of what Marquise Blair was supposed to be when he was playing safety. Yeah. Cause like he would, he would hit, but he didn't, he was always, he would either be going for the head or getting his own head in the way, able to delay to big hits when he got the opportunity, but he just, he, he, but he didn't wrap up half the time either. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was, it, it just, it reminded me of that when you, when you were talking about it.
1: No, that's a good point. Uh Andy couldn't really cover all that well, whereas Spoon can do all the things, which all is great. The yeah, which is crazy to think about that paired with now a fast re and That was slow re that we that saw was, in the I last so. few weeks. Okay.
0: <laughs> good to know, I guess. I want to ask you what you think the Seahawks should do, because the trade deadline a week away, there are some guys out there. I know Frank Clark was a guy who's, uh, I don't even think you have to trade for him. I think he's a free agent at this point now. But uh, obviously Bruce Irvin out there, Levi Bell was kind of one of those preseason guys that we wanted to see make the team. I I would have to think that the more immediate move would be to, if Levi Bell has been playing well on the practice squad, we don't know, but that seems to be the more natural move up just to have some immediate depth and then try and work out who's getting snaps um, between Daryl Taylor and Derek Hall.
1: I don't know what you're thinking, dude. You need to trade major assets for a DN right now. You need to have a knee-jerk uh panic reaction. That's what you
0: need to have. So uh do we trade our first round and second rounder for a top guy or do uh we throw out one of our star best players uh are you thinking in terms of trade? What what type of knee jerk reaction situation are we in?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the way that I look at it and the way that I like to overreact to things is to look at DK Metcalf playing through a bad rib injury, isn't able to play one game because of said rib injury and a hip got another injury on top of it right after he'd been battling through and then have your undrafted rookie receiver and Bobo catch one exactly one touchdown. It, which now I know we can completely replace DK with Jake Bobo. Like DK is useless and he's a head case. We can't have that. So I'm trading DK. I'm trading five first rounders for Brian Burns right now. Get him on the team because that's the missing piece for us to win a
0: Super Bowl. I, I like the player that you have in mind. Brian Burns is a fine player for the Carolina Panthers. There's a connection there between the Seahawks and uh, with the Carolina Panthers GM being a former member of the Seahawks. So I I like some of the thought process there and then you know maybe maybe you're not wrong Adam that Jake Bobo is the answer when he can do DK Metcalf things like this now DJ Dallas back into the backfield
2: Gino from the shotgun on third down and seven Arizona's going to rush four Gino has time steps up going to throw near side Bobo makes a catch near sideline across the 40 knocked down at about the 42 yard line Wilson is the defensive back on the coverage, but Jake Bobo just got outside of him, and the UCLA rookie goes for 31. This kid, he's a player, and he just dazzles when he's in the game.
0: Do you not want more Bobo? I want more Bobo. If DK Metcalf's out of the picture, we can have more Bobo at him.
1: Right, right. Yeah, let's let's get rid of one of the top receivers in the entire league and your number one receiver on the team for Bobo. Look, I love Bobo. I do want to see some more Bobo. But if I'm picking who snaps to take away, I'm taking away JSN snaps before I'm taking away DK Metcalf snaps. I'm not trading DK because Chenna got hurt in this game. Like, I I just think that that's some very short-sighted kind of panicky thinking.
0: Well, you you may be making an enemy then of uh, one of our YouTube commenters who said in this game, this game shows that DK is a hindrance. He takes most of the targets, doesn't do anything with them, commits way too many dumb penalties, and basically is a detriment to the offense. It's about time JSN gets his spotlight. Okay,
1: so this would be the response to that. Um, If you were to trade DK Metcalf for picks right now to another team, what do you get for a DK Metcalf, Brandon? What do you think the market is? Uh think about what some of these other receivers have gone for recently. Like, I don't know, a former Ole Miss teammate in AJ Brown. You think he's he's uh anywhere. He got a first near? rounder for him,
0: right? Yep. Or a second?
1: No, it was definitely a first. And okay. then uh they they picked up the Titans picked up the kid out of like USC or something like that after that.
0: Yeah, and he's okay. What Traylon Burks? Is that the guy they got? Yeah, whoever it was, I don't know.
1: It's a where <laughs> he's a wide receiver and he went to die in Tennessee like the rest of them, right? But uh, the league and I, I do believe that the market is a first and maybe a third for DK. I do. And if that's the case, then he's not worthless. He's not a hindrance. Obviously, the rest of the league looks at him as an asset. So right. I I just don't think that that's true. Now, have the penalties been a problem? Yeah. Uh, Is the attitude about the penalties a problem? Yeah. Is that something you can't overcome? I don't think so. He's not a bad dude and he does nothing with the targets. Did he lead the team in touchdown catches last year? I think he did. Yeah. I, I
0: I don't think that you can say that he's not productive. I've also, if you're not watching DK Metcalf this year and seeing improvement over last year in terms of his route running, in terms of his hands, maybe he doesn't make that amazing toe tap catch that Jake Bobo made in the end zone in this game, but that's a catch that you're not seeing more than once a year by anybody on the Seahawks. So to, to look at that play and go, well, shoot, Jake Bobo can do that. Uh, we don't need DK. Yeah. If he's not going to make that catch, I, I don't have a problem with anybody on the team, not making that catch. If Bobo, even the refs didn't think he made that catch initially. <laughs> and uh, it, it just turned out to be an incredible catch. I, again, I don't expect anybody to make that. And I think what was it? The uh, the most unlikely catch of the entire NFL, at least last week and maybe even the season.
1: Exactly. I think it was the lowest probability touchdown catch this season. And yeah, sure, was it amazing? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But Think about the process, the thought process here just a little bit. The idea that you're injured on defense, which is the stronger side of the ball right now, and the side of the ball that you feel good about, a pass rush that you're starting to feel good about, you have an injury there, and so you're going to take one of your best players off of the side of the ball that's struggling? That doesn't make any sense.
0: No, not unless maybe you're adding additional offensive linemen, which you know, that could come in handy at some point, but Stone Forsyth played a fine game on the offensive line at right tackle. I, I think maybe even better than what we've seen from Kerhan in the past, which, you know, maybe more Edwards snaps, maybe more Stone snaps. Who knows when we're going to gonna get to see Abe? It sounds like Pete Carroll doesn't even know. So uh, go Stone for the next, the, the near future. Yeah, uh, rooting for him.
1: I mean, honestly, the offensive line for the most part has been keeping it together as well as you can hope for with a bunch of backups and what is it, six different combinations now on the offensive line through uh, seven weeks. I I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I'd be almost more apt to trade for an offensive lineman than a than a D end at this point, but. With all that said, too, Brandon, how often do big trades happen at the trade deadline in the NFL? This isn't the NBA.
0: And, I mean, they do happen. We just saw the Eagles trade for Kevin Byard, uh, for a couple of late rounders, fifth and sixth. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Like, that's not a that's not a DK Metcalf
1: trade or a oh, no. uh, or a Montez Sweat trade or, a, you know, Chase Young trade like those are legit. Type stars. Like, I just, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't see John Schneider making a move like that considering his history. So, you know, you talked about bringing up Levi Bell. I'm not sure I'm uncomfortable with that based on his play in the preseason.
0: There are other options, especially guys who have been connected to the team, guys, the team knows. I'm sure Bruce Irvin, you know, he's, he's got to have stayed in shape, right? And, he, and out there, and I don't know if you have to bring back Frank Clark, that might be an option. He did well with Jaron Reed when they were teammates. Uh-huh. I'd be okay with that if it, it came down to it too. But yeah, I kind of want to see what we have with Derek Hall and, and what is he going to do with more playing time and having the young guys? I mean, imagine what, that's why you went and draft Derek Hall in the second round is so you have depth at that position. And I like our receiving depth. So I, again, I, I don't know going back to the receiver talk. mm uh-huh. It might be one of the deeper groups and maybe that's where the thinking is, is, oh, well, receiving group is deep. You know, maybe you're getting Eskridge back here in a couple weeks, which I don't care that much about. I We'll see what happens with him. But again, that's more of a nice depth piece. I like having stars and what we're seeing with DK Metcalf on the field, Tyler Lockett on the field, and now JSN catching his first touchdown pass. I, I
2: like those as my top three. Pistol formation, play fake to him this time. Geno's going to throw right down the seam. Touchdown Seahawks! JSN with the touchdown. His first career score in the National Football League. Tyler Lockett picks up the ball. He's going to save it for the rookie out of Ohio State. 28 yards and a dart thrown by Geno Smith. The Seahawks on the board first. They lead 6-0. Wide open on that play.
1: I was going to say a wide open dart. That's for sure. That was more than uh, NFL open there. But, yeah, congratulations to J.S. Ed. He had a nice game. It's probably his best game of the season so far. And they're starting to kind of stack up a little bit, right? Like, you're starting to see a little progression each week, week in, week out, get a little more comfortable in the offense. I think that's pretty exciting to see. And we're going to need JSN and DK and Bobo and Lockett and Ken Walker with his 100 yards rushing when we go in to Lumen Field this weekend and have the Cleveland Browns come to town. Like, we need that. We're we're going to need them to have all those guys on deck because Geno is going to have uh, kind of a rough day with maybe that Cleveland defensive front there. Happy throwback week, Adam. It's here. Throwback week is here. It is. Uh, I'm wearing my throwback hat in, in honor of it. Like I, I picked that out just right there. That's the, going to be the one piece of throwback merch that I purchase here. But uh, yeah, it should be an interesting game considering. Do we really know that the Cleveland Browns defense is good? Like I said, it was good last show, I think. And you were like, are we sure? And I was like, yeah, I think we're sure. And then I started thinking about it in the terms
0: you put it out there. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Well, I think the word that came up in the last show was a little bit inconsistent because there are games where they will absolutely dominate opposing offenses. And then there's other games where they kind of get picked apart a little bit. And in this Indianapolis game this past week that the Browns played in, it was a little bit of both. They, I mean... Miles Garrett absolutely got yes. after the quarterback and Gardner Minshew and was responsible probably for at least uh, one and a half touchdowns. I noticed three game wreckers on defense for the Cleveland Browns. Two of them are Miles Garrett and one of them is Grant Delpit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, Miles Garrett is unfreaking believable, man. Like that dude is a grown man. I, thought it was funny when Brock and Salk asked Pete about, well, do you have a plan for Miles Garrett?" And he's like, no, (laughs) He's like, how about Charles? He said not yet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's that's it. It, Yeah, exactly. It was Monday. They're not there yet, which is fine. It's a fine answer, you know, but I don't know that there is a plan for that guy. Like it's going to be a buckle your chin strap kind of game for Charles out there, man. That's going to be a huge assignment.
0: Yeah. Whether it's Uh, Charles Cross on one side where Stone Forsythe. I got to imagine Will Disley has got to be getting his blocking shoes on for this game to handle Miles Garrett. Shoot. The Indianapolis Colts are putting tight ends and two guys on Miles Garrett, and he was still wrecking that offense. So um, but when they were able to handle him, there were plays to be had against the defensive secondary, and they play a lot of man to man and they also they struggle with zone. So if in a game like this where you do have good receivers against their corners, Ward's fine. Newsom's OK, but their corners don't really scare me like I would think like a set of Seahawks cornerbacks would. So I, I think the corners can be beat. Maybe you want to try and, and get them out of that man defense a little bit because they, they seem to struggle in zone more so. But still, it's you got to get past that defensive line that has Shelby Harris, former Seahawk on it, has Zadarius Smith coming off the edge, too. So, yeah, no matter where Miles Garrett is coming from, if you're not having to deal with Garrett, it's not that much of a break to to deal with Zadarius Smith, too. Even though nope. he's getting up there in age, he still has 20 pressures on the year.
1: Yeah. Uh, Zadarius Smith is a fine football player. Uh, Shelby Harris has always been good. Uh, Yeah, it's an interesting defense. And then you think about the idea of Schwartz there as a defensive coordinator. You know he's going to be dialing it up. You know the blitzes are coming. Gino better be on his P's and Q's when it comes to his hots this week. I thought that against the Cardinals, Gino did a better job of getting the ball out a little quicker and on time and things like that. But it still was a little too slow of an operation for me. And he's going to need to be quicker and more decisive against his Schwartz uh, coach defense and if he can do that i like you said it takes a little of the sting out of the miles garrett uh, pass rush and you know the rest of that defensive line and you've got the receivers to make dudes miss and get open early on downs and early in the rep i'm really hoping that gino and company can be on point with the quick passing game this week
0: martin emerson that's the the other third corner For the Browns and uh, defense, though the safeties, the other guy other than Delpit that you have to worry about, Juan Thornhill, good safety. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, when I I saw Delpit making some big plays, you know, similar to Jamal Adams' style, you know, maybe not quite there, but uh, definitely a guy who was getting up and and finding ways to screw plays up for the the Colts' offense. Yeah, the uh,
1: the safety tandem I think are a fine tandem there in Cleveland, but. Yeah, you you went down the list of the corners. Not a bunch of world beaters. I mean, some guys that are competent, but not necessarily yeah. anybody that you say, well, don't throw that way." That's for sure. Now, how this Cleveland Browns team defends the run—that's something I'm actually not familiar with. I didn't have a chance to go back and start looking through their run stuff. How's that looking, Brandon?
0: On the, the plays that I saw, the Colts having the most success. It was Jonathan Taylor getting outside and passes to the outside, and and that's where they seem to find some success there. So as long as you're able to to hold off the edge, you know, the, and obviously with Zedarius and with Miles Garrett, that, that's a big ask. But if mm-hmm. you can get it bounced outside a little bit, then I think you could find yourself some running room. And and they do have like Olosu Karamoa as a good linebacker. Um, so I, I think he has a little bit of speed, but I, that's where I saw the majority of them getting beat where those runs to the outside.
1: Boy, that sure does play into particular running back strengths. Doesn't it like, doesn't that feel like a Ken Walker type situation right there coming off a hundred yard performance, stacking that with another big game here against the Browns running to the outside, giving Geno support in the run game in really the offense. What they need to do this week is, They've just got to hold on to the football. I mean that that pick uh, against the Cardinals was inexcusable. That's a terrible pick by Gino. Played a nice game otherwise. Um, the fumbled snap. I mean, it's going to happen once or twice a season. It's going to. Like I don't care what quarterback it is. Like you're going to have a fumbled snap or two every year. It happens.
0: But still, that's no, bad. Man. You need to demand perfection in the snap between your center and quarterback every single time. Always perfect. No balls over the head like we saw. Uh, with Dobbs and Arizona right? demand perfection.
1: Yeah, and uh, especially with your backup center, right, who actually played very competently throughout the game. Give Olu his flowers, too, as another rookie that showed up. We had the rookie wideout scoring touchdowns, and then the the rookie center having a great day. And if Evan Brown can't go, like, this is a man's defensive line he gets to play against next, and I think he's probably up to the challenge.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling good about Olu after what we saw against the Cardinals. It is a little bit more of a step up in terms of the defensive prowess. The Browns ranked number one in terms of DVOA in the league. And even though they have allowed some points, I think the the reason why they are uh, the defense that they are in the number one DVOA is because they seem to score a lot of points. And that's the thing about this Browns team is that They need their defense to score points, and yeah, they put up a lot of points against the Indianapolis Colts, but I'll go back and say it again. The defense was a big part of it. They had short field on one of their touchdowns, Uh, another touchdown. Well, the game-winning touchdown. I don't know if you saw that, but they were essentially awarded the ball at the one-yard line after P.J. Walker threw it over the head of the receiver, and uh, there was some contact that they called and they didn't call the ball uncatchable for whatever reason. And they gave the the ball to the Browns at the one yard line. They're able to run it in and get the win. It felt like a game that the Colts should have won despite the efforts from the defense to turn them over and score. But back to back games where penalties put the Browns in position to to get the go ahead points.
1: Yeah. As I sit and I think about this matchup overall, you know, the Seahawks offense going up against that Browns defense. I think that they can get, I think they can get to 23 points. I I don't think that that's a crazy amount of uh, points to score against the Browns, even 17 to 23 points. That feels right. But when I look at it, vice versa, that Browns offense going up against the Seahawks defense, which is really hitting its stride here.
0: I don't think they score more than 10 offensively, you should be able to hold this offense to 10, whether it's PJ Walker, who's getting the start, who isn't very good. Kareem Hunt still carrying the ball as well, but as as good as Kareem Hunt has been in the past, Jerome Ford leapfrogged him on the depth chart when Nick Chubb went down and has got majority of the carries. And then, you know, you got Ethan Posick at center, who's a dominant force, and Amari (laughs) Cooper on the outside.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Amari Cooper has always been a so-so receiver to me. I mean, he, he has plays every now and then that look yeah. nice, but I, I don't think of him even close to, you know, upper echelon of receivers. And with that said, the Seahawks run defense has been the strength of their team so far. And I don't see that changing at all against uh, Ethan Posick and company up front. And then you bring into the mix, you know, the idea of PJ Walker, who I'm a fan of PJ Walker. Like I, I liked him in the it, was it the arena league
0: or USFL that uh, he played really well in. It was one of the two spring leagues. He, he was one of the better quarterbacks out there in that, and then even to see him playing behind this Browns offense, it shows you the difference in ability that it takes to play NFL quarterback at a top level. I mean, it's, it's clear to me that he is, he's an okay backup. But to be starting caliber quarterback, he just he does not appear that way so far this season.
1: You're not wrong, though. The the leap between the spring leagues and the NFL is huge. And I, I I've always rooted for P.J. Walker, just not this weekend when we come out in our super sweet throwback unis and get a beautiful win over the Browns. And I don't know. What do you think? think the Niners maybe you know, lay an egg again this next week. And uh, maybe we're up a half a game instead of only being a half game back in the standings
0: here after this last weekend. I like that. The 49ers are one taking on the Bengals. So they have a third straight losable game. And we took on the Browns, which is winnable. It's going to be a challenge. We're probably going to be coming out of this game saying, you know, talking about some ugly plays and some bad decisions because You have to give credit to the defense sometimes, especially when they play well, Uh, you know, the the opposing defense. I I saw it even. Well, I'll I'll probably save it and talk about it later. But uh, you watch some of the other uh, games around the league and the expectations sometimes of fans have for their offenses to perform even against some of the best defenses. It leans toward being down on your team's offense versus, hey, maybe give some credit to the opposition and how well they can play too.
1: Yeah. They get paid too over there, right? That's the old saying. And uh, I do think that the Seahawks offense will end up being productive overall when you look at it at the end of the day, but you're not wrong, dude. There's going to be some moments throughout this game that uh, the Cleveland Browns defense does come up with some big stops or some big plays. I do expect Gino to have another solid game and, be the quarterback that he is, which is a leader, a winner, and, you know, a top 10-ish quarterback. And I think he can do that even against a team like the Browns with a good defensive line, even though he has been pressured. What is it like? Was it last game he was pressured on 40% of his dropbacks or something like that,
0: which is a crap ton. Geno Smith against the Cardinals pressured 35% of his dropbacks. And let's see, he went four of seven uh, on the 10 dropbacks, 34 yards. He did have the one interception uh, while he was under pressure. That's not unusual though. I, I think that that's okay. The, the blitzing, he was blitzed on seven of their 28 dropbacks and uh, went five for five on uh, when he was blitz. So good blitz recognition for Geno in this past game against Arizona. Hopefully that is able to continue. I don't, it's it's going to be interesting to see how much the Browns do blitz. You you brought up obviously with Jim Schwartz being their defensive coordinator, but with the Browns, a lot of times if they are able to get pressure with just those front four, you won't see them blitz because they don't need to if they're getting pressure.
1: Yeah, but then again, I mean Jim Schwartz still dials it up in situations where maybe you're like, well, there's no need to here, and he's like, yeah, there is. <laughs> I'm just doing it. And I, I I like his. uh, aggressive style of play. So I wouldn't,
0: I uh, wouldn't rule out a lot of blitzing from the Browns this weekend. Did we talk enough about Geno? Because I, I feel like in this last game, yeah, we, we touched on the interception. I don't think we touched on the near interception. We did right after the game, but going back and watching it, it was, it was a pretty okay Geno game. Like it was, he was fine. He had a couple of bad throws, but again, you watch quarterbacks throughout the league this last week. And to expect perfection is unrealistic. I mean, Josh Allen loses to the Patriots. Brock Purdy throws two picks. Would they have an opportunity of two game winning drives against the Minnesota Vikings? And I, I felt like the position of most 49ers fans was that their defense needed to play better against the Vikings.
1: I don't know how much better the 49ers defensive line could have played. I, I give a lot of credit. To Kirk Cousins in that game, that was the right? best I have ever seen him look in terms of playing in a dirty pocket. Like they, they had dudes all around him throughout that game, and he was throwing darts like in quick and decisive, in not giving a crap about people around his feet or closing in on him. That was just a really good Kirk game. And one stat that I saw that somebody in the Ring of Honor uh, put in the Facebook group there. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, it's true, but I like it. It's that uh, any team that's lost to Kirk Cousin in a season has never won a Super
0: Bowl. So at least we have that now. That's a good stat. I want to hang my hat on that stat and uh, just know for sure that it's not going to be the San Francisco 49ers going to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl this year. Right. But
1: to your point about perfection from the quarterback position, look, there's going to be some ups and there's going to be some downs and there's going to be some average games. This was an okay game from Geno. It was fine. And no, Drew Locke isn't going to be miles better. Your draftee next year that you're going to spend draft capital on for no reason isn't going to be miles better. Geno's a damn good quarterback and as good as about anybody else's on any given day.
0: And with this defense that the Seahawks seem to be building. All you need, all you need to have is a competent quarterback and one that can protect the football. And in this game against the Browns is going to be a test for that because you brought it up earlier. I think turnovers is going to make a difference here. If they can find a way to win the turnover, if you you give the ball away three times to zero against this Browns team, like you did the Cardinals last week, I don't think you're going to be able to To come away with a win. It's going to make it even more difficult against these Browns because usually their turnovers come in position to where their offense can find a way to to manage to score points. And we didn't even bring up the field goal kicker. That dude was bombing it from 50 yards out multiple times. It's part of the reason why they were able to put up as many points as they did, because it was like 52. He goes out there, kicks it 54 yards, goes out there and kicks it 58 yards. He's kicking it through the uprights. And when you have a kicker like that, who's bombing it, That's a way that your team can win games and a good reason why the Browns are four and two. Again, because they they were able to stay ahead of that field goal kicker that got picked in the third round by the 49ers, missing it at the end of the game against the Browns just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Moody's had a couple rough goes there. But uh, yeah, if you play
1: on a team that has a Walker slash uh, Watson led offense, then you better have a damn good kicker, can bomb it from a long ways because the offense is going to struggle. And I I really like the matchup of our defense up against their offense. And you talk about keeping the turnover battle uh, in play for the Seahawks. I I just really think that with Spoon and Jamal and everybody, you know, playing at the level that they are, that we're going to be able to make more game-changing plays than the Browns defense will.
0: I would have to expect so, but after seeing the Browns do it a couple weeks back to back, I'm thinking it's probably going to be another tight game between these two teams and it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. 20 to 10. That's what I predict. Another one,
1: another 20 to 10 game back to yeah, back. Why not? Yeah. And they got the three turnover game out of their system this last week against the cards. So we don't have to worry about that. Good.
0: I'm feeling great. Plus we've got car uh, car as our official ambassador going to the game and uh, cheering on our Seahawks. So we'll be fine. Absolutely. Let's get to the second half of the show. I want to start the second half by giving a little bit more credit to our running back, Kenneth Walker, the only guy in the NFL to rush for more than a hundred yards and one of the nominees for the FedEx ground player of the week. One of the only guys to rush for over a hundred yards. How crazy is that? How, how many weeks of the NFL season have there been ever where you have one running back topping a hundred yards
1: to Ken Walker's credit too, a lot of runs that he actually took. Stop bouncing it outside, planted his foot in the ground and took that two, three, four yards. It was very consistent. It was more of a bludgeoning from Ken Walker. Than it was a bunch of big plays, you know, ripping off big gainers. And that's the type of performance that I think somebody like me has been kind of waiting to see out of Walker. Like, I know you can hit the home run. I want to see you hit singles
0: and doubles week in, week out, and then the occasional home run. That sounds great. I would have liked to see maybe one more home run out of the game, you know, if we're, if we're really picking nits about it, like maybe a home run within the red zone. You know, we, we could use more of those.
1: Yeah, I, I know we didn't talk about the red zone struggles and the, you know third down percentages and all that. I mean, we talked about it in the post game recap. If you want to hear more about that, you can go back and watch that. It's just, I'm tired of talking about it. They're bad. And if you think you have the answer, great. Give Pete a call because they don't seem to have the answer quite yet either. I don't know. I, I just don't know that there's anything else to say about it until they start figuring it out a little better.
0: More Bobo. And let's start seeing JSN be that guy who gets open in the red zone. Like I think we were hoping for, uh, at the start of the year. Yeah. When that happens, then, then we'll be fine. Absolutely. And they're still winning
1: games. They're four and two people half game out of first in our division. (laughs) Skull. Yeah. Just had to get
0: that in there for the, for the Vikings win. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Kirk. It was a fun game to, to be able to, to cheer hard for the Vikings. Against the Niners. I was excited to see a Purdy meltdown. Well, you've been calling for it. I feel like for weeks now, you're like, he throws all these interceptable passes. You know, he's due for having a two pick game and he got it right at the end of the fourth quarter there. He finally, they started catching him. It was like,
1: what? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe somebody surgically removed the horseshoe that's been up his ass this entire time. Ah, oh, well, that'd be too bad. No, it wouldn't. He can start
0: to stink anytime now and I'll be just fine with it. I, I said that sarcastically. No, okay. There's no sarcasm when it comes to thanking our members of the flock, especially our executive producers, DCH, Rebecca Christensen, Brian Shaw, JC Schilling, and Jake Burdine.
1: Just uh, the finest people to ever uh, listen to podcasts.
0: We know that. Thanks to everybody who went to getintheflock.com, helping to support the show, Stephen Kirkpatrick, helping to support the show in every win, coming in with the score donation of $20.10. Thanks to Steven.
1: Yeah, huge thank you, man. Uh, That feels good coming off the win like that, for sure. Thank you, Steven.
0: I I like it when people make donations that are meaningful to them. Like, we have the option, if you go to seahawkerspodcast.com slash support, go to the PayPal button. Randall Hicks did that and set up a $1.20 recurring monthly donation via PayPal again I, I like it when you come up with numbers that uh, are, are meaningful to you and also provide value for value
1: 100 percent and uh, it gives Brandon the numbers fizz like he likes to Gami stuff and and all of that so that's cool man uh, I, we appreciate
0: it very much thanks to descendants of boom who became a one dollar member at get flock.com. they say been listening since you all have first started. Thought it might be time to join, go Hawks! Yeah, no, no two-year freeloader grace period. Full ten-year freeloader grace period for Descendants of Boom.
1: I think Descendants of Boom uh, must have misheard. Even you know from the beginning, there he maybe just thought it was like two decades of a grace period, and like thinks he's getting in way early. That's what I'm
0: thinking. That's fine. Yeah. Hey, for some people, you go well. I wonder if I can wait these guys out, uh, and and then you know, because totally as quit. soon as I start yeah. supporting the show, they're gonna quit. And and then so ten years goes by and it's like oh well it's probably safe to go ahead and donate now so there you go see we yeah. we we won this one in in multiple ways but we also thank Descendants of Boom
1: yeah, yeah. so basically what you're saying is we wore down Descendants of Boom is that what happened there? we warmed
0: down okay. warmed down all right appreciate you man thank you <laughs> Hayden Lions came in at three dollars welcome to the flock to Hayden what up Hayden see. We we didn't even have to wear Hayden down. He was just like, yeah, man, this is sweet. We're doing this. I'm not even going to send a message to these guys. I'm just in. Yeah. See, if you don't send a message, I make up stories about you. Well, we can make up stories about the trio of Nate Lloyd, Chris Brewbaker, and Tanner, who joined over at YouTube. Click on the join button.
1: There we go. Uh, I, I didn't realize that uh, Chris had gotten in there. He's been around for a good minute there. Uh, yeah. I mean, they basically are, I, I can't make up a story, dude. My brain is fried. I, I've had, I, I, I've been talking for a week straight. It feels like, dude, like I tried real hard. I'm out of creativity. It's over. It's over.
0: So Brandon, do you have, do you have a story to, for our three musketeers of
1: donators there?
0: I think that they should all get together, caravan to Kellogg, Idaho, uh, pick you up on the way, yeah. and you can all have some guaranteed barbecue. And uh, you can get your 12% off discount with Garen and mm-hmm. the four of you can enjoy lunch and then you'll feel refreshed and uh, everything will be well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I might have to hit up Garen here in a weekend or two because uh, we're heading out to his direction to grind wheels in St. Mary's. Uh, I'm going to go and oh. well, I'm not even going to grind. I'm just there to
0: make people feel better for some reason. I don't know. But uh, yeah, right there near Garen. So looking forward to that. Garen is going to be with us at the Washington game, November 12th. And I think all of the tickets, but maybe three are spoken for in our group game. It's going to be Seahawkers podcast. It's going to be bootleg football. We're going to have one section in three Oh one. We're all going to be together cheering on as a big podcast family at the Seahawks commanders game.
1: Heck yeah, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Looking forward to that one for sure. This has been a, it's going to be a this will be my second game this year. I think that'll
0: be about the max I've attended in person is two games. Yes. Plus training camp, plus training camp. Yeah, we had the mock game. Plus, I have to talk you into going down to Dallas uh to to see a road game this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when's that? Uh, I don't know. December maybe? Yeah, that feels right. Okay. Oh wait, no. And uh, I think it's the November 30 game. Hmm. I don't know, man. We'll see. I don't know. We'll this is this is as much thought as we put into it just now it get, in this moment. Yeah,
1: it gets me awfully close to a lot of Dallas fans, and I don't know how I feel about that.
0: I know. But Scott texted me. He's like, are you going to the Dallas game? And that was what? as much thought as I had put into it. And uh, it's been a while since I've gone to a game with Scott. so
1: That's true. I don't want to let Scott down either. Okay. I don't know. All right, I'll give it serious consideration. Today's not the day to ask me to do more social.
0: I'll just telling you that right now. Look, we're all lucky that Adam was able to get on the microphone and talk Seahawks this week because it's it's been a time. It's, it's been a party in the Gulch week. It's been a party in
1: the Gulch. It's been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of cool people here, but it's been about a solid week of, you know, whether it's been my parents or other friends and things of that nature. And uh, literally our, our last uh, guest here, they just left uh, about uh, three, four hours ago. And I do, I feel like I've been talking for a week straight and uh, I'm running out of gas, that's for sure. But wanted a rally for you guys, man. Try to put on a good attitude for the day.
0: And uh, I, I, I give myself a B minus. Doing all right. You, you had a party up in the gulch. With uh, it, it had been a little bit of a rough time for you. Also been a rough time in the Pickham League, judging by the standings. Nice. The leaders this week with 71 points. You got DK's poop cart, Great Rolls of Fire, and Luke Sim. The top three. Do you want to guess uh, the average correct guesses of those top three? Five. That is a solid average. DK's poop cart got four to hang on to the top spot, and Great Rolls of Fire and Luke Sim jump up into that top spot with six picks correct. Wow! Wow! It was a rough week. It was an upset weekend in the NFL, no doubt about it. Four people. Picking nine games correct. be wags to riches. Love to wags my Dixon. Human genome and illegitimate hamstring. With nine <laughs> points. And it is human genome me. Human genome. I don't know how to say that. I like the apostrophe. I like that you got Geno in there. And illegitimate hamstring. Tied. Uh, they must have had the same number of points in the Monday night football game to to tie on the tiebreaker those two taking away the victory in week seven
1: well we know something about those two teams for sure in our pick'em league is that each and every week they just hit the random button on their computer to make the picks like there's there's no way that they did that with certainty or like ah nailed
0: it for sure i i felt like i beat the average getting seven like that's pretty good yeah well i'm i'm proud of you if that makes any difference I can't, I, I'm, I, there's I'm, no way I had seven. You had four. Yeah. That feels, that feels as dismal as it was. Yeah. So as, as much as DK's poop card, who is at the top of the league, see, you can be just as good as picking picks as our leader this year. It's
1: true, but, uh, I'm not going to be, and it's, uh, you asked me if it's can or won't, uh, it's I, maybe it's won't, but it feels more like can't, you said I can be that guy, but I, I'm not, I don't know, man. I don't know that I have the talent.
0: Let's see if you can do it starting off this week. Buffalo at home on Thursday night against Tampa. Bounce back for Buffalo. Come on. Now. Yeah. 97% going with the bills. Tennessee at home against Atlanta. Yes. Atlanta kind of plucky. 58% yeah. going, I, going I'd with I'd the Falcons Atlanta, on the road. I think,
1: I think I'd take Atlanta. The Titans quarterback situation is abysmal. Yeah. We should have drafted Will Levis, though, man. Like, we really needed to get that quarterback in the draft. We needed that guy. Yeah, you can't even beat out uh, Willis. That was the guy that we were supposed to draft the year before. Oh, I know. I know. I'm so glad that, uh, you know, we missed out on him. Just a tough break.
0: Just a tough break. And Desmond Ritter for the Falcons. So, the battle of quarterbacks that the Seahawks should have drafted in this game. Hmm. Yeah, it's almost as if none of them are good and Gino's better. Houston, they've had they've got a good quarterback that the Seahawks didn't have an opportunity to draft against the Carolina Panthers also a quarterback that the Seahawks didn't have an opportunity to draft. Who you got?
1: Oh, I I got Stroud all day with this one. Uh yeah,
0: he was the one dude in last year's draft that I was like, "Yeah, okay, if he's available, you take." It. And and they didn't have a shot as it turned out. But uh let's see. We've got you with a shot to pick this game correctly. Pittsburgh at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags going with the Jags. It feels like a coin flip the way that the Steelers have been playing inconsistently Jacksonville playing inconsistently. Uh, I would, I would probably go Pittsburgh if it were a risk pick, but I might stick with you on that one. Dallas at home against the LA Rams. Golly.
1: Gonna go Rams. I think this is one of those dumb losses for the Cowboys.
0: Risk pick 9% going with the Rams. Minnesota Vikings at the green Bay Packers who could not get the winless last week. Man, the Packers
1: have looked poor a couple weeks in a row here. Um, I did pound the Jordan love train before we started starting Gino. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. All right, fine. I, I'm going to pick two good weeks in a row of captain Kirk. It's not primetime, right? Like, cause that's no, the one primetime win he
0: could have this year. He's done. He's done with the primetime wins. Yeah yeah okay no, this is I'll, I'll 11 o'clock advice. prime Kirk Cousins time oh yeah this is this is Kirk time for sure yeah 11 friends. o'clock mountain yes I know there's people who listen on different time zone they're like "Well, who, who starts at 11 o'clock yes in the mountain time zone the ideal mm-hmm. time yeah. zone for watching football 11 o'clock when you start watching football god it's the best I
1: love the. yeah you all should just start living life as if you're in the mountain
0: time zone it's gonna be better for your deal for football, there is no better time zone. It's Trust For us. anything. It's the best time zone ever. Uh, we're going to get the time zone truthers coming at us. Gohawks at seahawkerspodcast.com. Bring on your emails. We want to hear them.
1: Yeah, the first one will be from Clinton. Yeah, he he doesn't agree with me on this time <laughs> zone thing because he's an East Coast snobby. Yeah, about he his always
0: time zone. tries to schedule things outside of our time zone when, you know.
1: Well, he tries to do the thing where he schedules it all on East Coast time, which makes, I don't think he got the memo when he was out here on the West Coast. We don't like that. We're tired of you guys acting like that's the only time anything happens. It's on Eastern and we all have to do the math every time. No, no.
0: New England Patriots, can they keep the upset streak going when they go down to Miami this weekend?
1: Not a chance. Not (laughs) a chance. But I do think, I do think that uh, Belichick Probably saved his job with that win right there. That was a big deal. That
0: was big. New Orleans Saints on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. Can the Colts bounce back? Who cares? (laughs) Right. Another coin flip game, whereas most people, 69% going with the Colts. Oh, okay. So do do you want me to pick for you? Or did you you actually say anything?
1: no, No, I said Colts. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. I was probably talking over you, so I apologize to you. New York Giants. Accepted. Are you going to have to apologize to them for picking the Jets as the road winners? (laughs) Of the the poopy New York Bowl here? Uh, No, I'm going Jets. Yeah, I'm going to go Jets. I mean, Jets, technically the road team, but you know, technically. They're both technically NFL teams, too. Philadelphia Eagles at... The Washington Commanders. Eagles. Are the Eagles the best team in the NFC right now? No. I don't think so either. Yeah, it's the Seahawks.
1: What show are you listening to?
0: And doing I, was right just, I was testing you. Okay, all right, good. I passed. Yeah, <laughs> Seattle at home against Cleveland. I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Baltimore at Arizona. Boy, Baltimore looked good this last week, didn't they? I mean, they, yeah. they waxed the Lions, waxed them. Uh, I'll ride the Lamar train. All right. I kind of wanted the Lions to keep winning so that our win against them would be their only loss. Just is a point of pride. Gotcha. Okay. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. All right. San Francisco, 86% picking the Niners to bounce back and beat the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Wow. I'm definitely going Bengals here. I think that... Uh, that uh, San Francisco offense is unraveling a little bit with the injuries. So and Purdy is starting to get exposed. I, uh he's exposed. <laughs> I
0: I like that. Put
1: that out there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh Kansas City Chiefs at Denver. Hmm. Uh yeah, Chiefs. Two percent yeah, going with the Broncos.
1: Well, I mean, they haven't beat him in 15 years. I mean, why why would I pick this week to be the week? Even after the huge victory over the pack. That's embarrassing, man. That is embarrassing, Packers fans.
0: I kind of like this as a risk pick game. Chicago Bears on the road against the Chargers. With their undrafted free agent Division II quarterback there. I don't care. Yeah, I'm going Chargers. And then Monday night. that That's a terrible Sunday night game, by the way. It is. That's what we get. Sunday night football. Bears Chargers. Can they not
1: flex it yet? Are not to flex no, season yet? So.
0: Okay. Monday night football, Detroit lions taking on the Raiders up in Detroit. Oh yeah. That's going to be a bloodbath. All Detroit all day. Detroit's got to win this game by 65 points, right? If they don't, I'll be surprised. So total points, 68, eight. Yeah. <laughs> You're
2: right with me. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. There we go. Thanks to everybody who is playing along. If you go to seahawkerspodcast.com, click on the Pick'em link. You can join anytime and play along with us. We got weekly prizes going out to the winners each and every week. It's fun. And uh, I'm still working on getting the prizes out for last year. So, see, that's how much fun it is. And you better enjoy the fun because you don't know when you're going to get a prize, but you might eventually get a prize.
1: It's not might. you will. You always get to it. It's just, uh, you know, it just we're gets later and later every patient. year. Yeah, Exactly.
0: On to do better and better at life.
1: All right, man, I do better this week is for the stupid dolphins. I picked them last week. You were apoplectic about it. You're like, I can't believe you're doing this. And then they went out there and laid an egg against the Eagles. That was, that was frustrating to watch, man. Like how did they, how did they not win that game? I don't know, but uh, they pissed me off. So penalties,
0: I didn't- penalties is because they didn't win.
1: Frickin' penalties was huge. Right? No doubt about that. But, uh, yeah, stupid dolphins can't do me any favors, right? Do better.
0: All right. My do better this week is for a poster out on Reddit. I was going out. I wanted to find some negative fan reactions after Brock Purdy threw two interceptions. And so I went hunting for it. I did. I typed it into the search results, you know, Brock Purdy Niners. I just, I wanted to see some fan negative fan forum reaction about how Purdy stinks and you know he's washed up, like you're saying, exposed and exposed, I, I think, exposed. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. I, I did see that Shannon Sharp was kind of um, going back and and uh, gloating about his take that Brock Purdy's not an elite quarterback. But what I came across, Adam was even better. Uh, I found Great. a post on Reddit that was hyping up Brock Purdy as the 2023 MVP. And going down the list of how he's disrespected in the media, because so far this year, he's been statistically the best quarterback in the NFL this season. And he listed five reasons why Brock Purdy, through three weeks of the NFL season, maybe four weeks, was not getting loud MVP buzz. One, draft position. It took the historic 2007 season for Brady to be universally considered as the best quarterback in the league, despite the playoff success and winning a lot. 2. Envy. People hate on quarterbacks who aren't on their team and who are achieving success. Most people use win-loss record when talking about Brock, yet if you just look at the stats, they show how well he is playing. 3. McCaffrey season. Don't get me wrong, I love CMC but he's taken some TDs away from Brock in the red zone because he's so good. Think Emmett Smith versus Troy Aikman. Oh, my Number God. Number four, he's not throwing the ball as much as other quarterbacks. Pretty is currently eighth in yards this year ahead of guys like Mahomes and Lamar, but he's bottom six in pass attempts. He's been averaging nine yards per attempt, though, and that's why he's an average of 254 yards per game. Five. Kyle Shanahan, there's a weird narrative around quarterbacks that play for Kyle. KS is very good and top two play caller behind Reed, yet when his quarterback plays well, Shani gets all the credit. Whilst when Mahomes, Reed, Tua, McDaniel, or Stafford, McVay play well, the quarterback gets 90% of the credit. For QuirkyScorpio29 on Reddit, uh, for putting this together, four weeks into the season when your quarterback still has... 15 weeks to go before he's even considered for an MVP candidate. Why are you talking about quarterback stats and how your quarterbacks disrespected four weeks into the season? Do better. Brandon is Brock Purdy,
1: even the best player on his own offense, third best player, maybe
0: probably maybe third best. How can he be the MVP of the league? How
1: can you be the best player in the league if you're not even the best player on your own offense? I'm not even saying the whole team on your own offense. That I mean, whatever with your little weird points there, whoever you are on Reddit, like get out of here. I think I debunked the whole thing in one statement.
0: I just, I thought it was very entertaining read to see, especially after these past two weeks to go back and see how disrespected Brock Purdy has been in the national stage. Uh, mm-hmm. Come on, man.
1: Yeah. Come on, man. I, if I have to hear one more thing about Brock and Purdy, I swear to God, like I, he hasn't gotten enough respect or attention or anything like that. Good Lord. Get out of here. I don't like the dude. Like yeah. I'm not mad at Brock. I just, you know, he's a niner and I'm tired of hearing about him. i to better at life. All right, man. my better at life than skip Bayless this week is for nose tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, Fletcher Cox. And he's been in the league for how long now, Brandon? What? It seems like it's been 17 years or whatever it is, but he came in the same year as Bruce Irvin. Yeah. He's been around forever. And I'm watching that Dolphins Eagles game. And there was a run to the outside and Fletcher Cox hustles all the way to the sidelines and hits him a yard or two outside, you know, before he gets out of bounds and then as they're crossing the out-of-bounds line, he notices that he where they are on the field just releases the guy, doesn't fall on him, and doesn't pick up a penalty in a key situation and ends up making the stop, which I think ends up making a punt. Like It was such a heady play. How many times do we see these guys who can't figure out when to hit somebody and when to not to when it's kind of bang-bang like that? I just thought, though, it, it wasn't easy for him to do either because you know how many times you hear the narrative of, well, he's already emotional. What do you expect the guy to do? Like, be a part of the Matrix and figure it out? do dooby dooby do Nah, Fletcher Cox did it right there on the sidelines. It was a perfect play. Made the play so that the, it stopped the Dolphins, and he didn't hurt anybody, and he didn't hurt his team with a dumb penalty. I just thought it was awesome. So Fletcher Cox, better at life than Skip Bayless.
0: Yeah, I'm a Fletcher Cox fan. I, I'll never I'll never fight you on a, a, a given. A, even though he doesn't play for a team, he's a heck of a player. Probably he's just future smart. Hall of Famer. Better be. Yeah. My better at life this week. If you were watching the game prior to kickoff, you saw a young man, Gus Johansson, raise the 12 flag in front of tens of thousands of screaming Seahawks fans. Gus was diagnosed with uh, leukemia. In August of 2021, and after just under a year, officially cancer-free, he gets to raise the 12 flag. The cooler part, though, is what happened leading up to his moment of raising the 12 flag when he was in the hospital. The Seahawks sent Blitz to the hospital that he was at, along with a video from one of his favorite players, D.K. Metcalf, D.K., uh, gave, you know, a, a, a nice little speech uh, that he got to see. They recorded the reaction of Gus in that moment, seeing and, and watching the video from DK. Then DK gets to get the video back, lifts up his spirits. And uh, I just, I thought it was cool that that there was that interaction that happened even before his 12 flag raising. So to Gus, to Blitz, to DK Metcalf and the Seahawks organization, all better at life than Skip Bayless.
1: It's a super cool moment. Uh, I don't often find myself moved by things like that, but that was definitely one.
0: Yeah, and it was just cool that he got to come back and, and even, you know, Metcalf didn't play in the game, but he got to meet him prior prior to the game. So, you know, I, as, as much as fans get this perspective, too, of DK Metcalf, of the stuff that he does on the field sometimes, there's a lot of the stuff that even if you don't read about it on seahawks.com or there's so much stuff that he DK Metcalf is a super like genuinely nice guy. And if all you get is watching him on Sunday and his attitude on the field, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. He's got so many great clips of, of whether it's interviews and stuff that you don't see like this. I I just, I have to say that on a week that we we had People talking about trading DK.
2: Nope, trade him. Get rid of him.
1: He's a bum. We need another uh rotational defensive end. I hate his poop
0: cart. Done. What would what would DK's poop cart, who is leading our Pick'em League at Seahawkerspodcast.com, what would they do if DK were to get traded? We can't do that to one of our fellow flockers.
1: Nope, we can't. And uh so we're gonna keep DK, we're gonna get good play out of Derek Hall. And uh, maybe they'll even bring up Levi Bell. He'll be good, too. Our defense is going to continue to rock going down the stretch. They're going to dominate the Browns. We're going to get the win. And the Liners are going to lose a third straight in Purdy being exposed. We're going to be up a half a game after week
0: eight. And we're doing it in our throwback uniforms. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.